Hello and welcome to episode 149 of What Most People Think. And my God, I was in London yesterday. I was in London yesterday and did I walk some steps? Jesus Christ, no trains, no tubes, hardly any cabs available. And the only prick, it turns out, not to cancel his four working engagements in London that day. Uh, I, did, I walked a lot. I walked a lot. Uh, here's a quick game. Do you think I did higher or lower than 20,000 steps? Higher. It is higher. Do you think it was higher or lower than 25,000 steps? Higher. Do you think it was higher than... It was 27,000 steps. 27,000 steps in a single day. And um, you'd think that... I'd sort of think, well, that's good for the old health, isn't it? That's good for the weight. I'll I'll take the win there for my BMI. Not this guy. uh, Had two dinners. (laughs) Had two dinners. The first dinner was in Prezzo, and it, I got—I I won't lie—it was a bit fancy. I had a seafood risotto. It was really nice risotto. Whenever you have it, you go, "That's actually really pleasant." But then I did a gig, and I thought, "I've earned this." So I went and had a KFC. I went and had a KFC because I've got to maintain my weight at a certain level. Once you hit middle age, you know, my wife is in very good shape. But I if I get in the the sort of ripped hench form that I no doubt could, that's going to put pressure on her. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that to my wife um so yeah maybe the the rmt's mick lynch maybe his project is to is to get me beach body ready uh but by the way mick lynch a lot of you would have seen him over the news uh and we will be talking about obviously about the rail strikes but mick lynch has got to be new rhyming slang for feeling the pinch <laughs> i was feeling the old mick lynch Ooh, I, won't I was feeling the mick eventually you know god i've been feeling the mickey this month and so we'll be talking mainly about that today. Also, there's a story in the press that a comedian, uh, Joe Lysett, was um, investigated by the police for a joke in his current tour show. And uh, they've concluded their investigation and uh, no further charges. But we'll be talking about who the fuck sort of in complains to the police about a comedian telling a joke. It is, I mean, I know like these things are isolated, but I think it's worth talking about what the police will and won't spend their time on. And to that end, um, just to explain the show to people who are new or newish to it, this is what most people think. This is a show that is trying to get at the fair the fair middle ground of, of British opinion. You know, you see a lot on social media one way, you see a lot in the press the other. But what is your average... Man or woman on the street. I, I might get it wrong. I might be way off. And in which case, you can always email what most people think UK at gmail.com. Uh, just to t- uh, remind you about a couple of recent episodes that are up. There were two last week, which was the men's mental health bonus episode. And just what I want to say thanks again to the uh, the patrons who, who make it possible. This is this is fully funded. There's no ads on this Patreon, uh, on this podcast, and um, other than me advertising the Patreon. But it makes me think, yeah, every once in a while I want to do an extra episode. So some of them will go on the main podcast feed. But there is now this week coming out on Friday, with any luck, the monthly Patreon-only episode where uh, that is only free to patrons. There's one guaranteed every month. And VIP patrons, uh, you basically, you get your questions answered. Every single one that you get in, as long as it's not like fucking bang. <laughs> As long as it's not litigious, do you know what I mean? Or something that a snooping Guardian journalist with nothing better to do on their time than to become one of my patrons, hangs around to hear me say something genuinely out of order. And uh, I throw a few questions to the other Patreon tiers as well. Um, to thank uh, any new patrons, any new VIP patrons, you get your shout out at the very top of the show. So to that end, we have a few this month. Uh, we got Ryan Ponder. 
I just think that's got to be... You've got to be an American footballer, haven't you, for the San Diego Who's Your Backs? I don't know. Franchise, they're all fucking... It's like Milton Keynes Dons. I, I, did I just say their name aloud? Fuck me. That's like Voldemort, isn't it? Is he going to suddenly appear? Is, is fucking Dean Lewin going to appear behind my shoulder? Or is that Candyman? I don't know. I'm not... <laughs> but Ryan Ponder. Uh, coming in, 22 offense, Ryan Ponder. And he'd be one of those kind of like 80s looking... American guys, you know what? You know, one of those guys that's just uh, never experienced self doubt. So, welcome, Brian. Brian Ponder. We got Brian McQuinlan. Brian McQuinlan, who sounds to me like a, an enigmatic Irish novelist. Brian McQuinlan. Yeah, I've written, I've written a new novel, and it's about life from the point of view of a chair because they're always getting sat on. I thought, sure, they must get fed up with that after a while. So it's kind of it's a bit deeper than that. But uh, that's essentially the concept. Uh, Steve Wright. I mean, I just... Steve Wright. Steve Steve Wright in the afternoon. I mean, if your name is Steve Wright and you're doing something in the afternoon, it must just occur to you that it's Steve Wright in the afternoon. Uh, Neil Geddes, who I think I mentioned before as a returning uh, podcast member. He's back on the VIP tier. Good to have you back, Neil. Uh, Adam Lewis is an existing patron who who has uh, pledged a bit more money so cheers for that adam although you have pledged it in a currency that i don't understand so i have no idea what it's got gone from and to but i appreciate the additional support who knows maybe there's a lot of blokes out there that were struggling a bit and the old mental health episode was like uh, cheers jeff yeah yeah yes yeah, it's, it's easier than actually talking to someone know what i mean uh, and then there's david kane who's a super patron and these are people coming in at £25 or above, which is what you can all do that if you wish to do that. I still haven't decided, David, what your pay super patron benefit will be. You know, David Domain has his talking point, which we'll come to. So why don't you message me as a super patron, guaranteed response, message me and, and let's work something out. Or you might happy to be a silent investor. Do you know what I mean? Just sitting there in the background. It very much uh, is, is your shout, mate. Uh, and speaking of the domain talking point, um, we spoke last week uh, with Mark Nelson. That episode's still available, so do check that out. And um, we were talking about Nicola Sturgeon getting the piss taker out of her piss taken out of her and I was suggesting that with all those afternoon briefings that she was uh, she was pitching for some shitty Channel 5 <laughs> coffee morning chat show and, and David's absolutely blown me away with this little fact is that after Harold Wilson left number 10 he actually did have a telly chat show uh, he hosted two episodes of Friday night Saturday morning in 1979 a talk show that had a rotor of pre presenters alas he was not a natural presenter or interviewer as reviewers are keen to point out in hindsight, his stilted performance was probably an early manifestation of Alzheimer's, which he was later diagnosed with. And I I probably shouldn't make jokes about that. I will say this, Joe Biden, probably going to get his own chat show. Let's leave it at that. Okay, let's do our thank you and a fuck you for this week. The thank you uh, is to the film Top Gun, colon, Maverick. Um, I thought it was great. I mean, it's very rare. One, a sequel that is trying to live up to the hype because Martin Nelson mentioned that he'd seen it and he, he made it his thank you. And this is a two weeks in a row as a thank you for a film. So do check it out. I mean, one of the great things about it was that it was a very much like an 80s style action film. So as you'd expect now, Top Gun Academy, you're sort of thinking, is it going to be like more than half of them are women now? Of course there is a female character in there now uh, as, as there should be, but it's one woman. It's not like, you know, I, you think, well, that seems realistic. That's probably roughly how it is now. And also the character that is a woman, she's not overdone one way or the other. You know how these female characters in male, inverted commas, but statistically likely, 
way, uh, they're often like, they're either ridiculously glamorous and they're like, hey, don't scratch my heels while I'm getting in the cockpit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or there's some kind of like tech nerd who is obviously ridiculously gorgeous. This was, it just seemed a very plausible uh, fighter pilot. And um, they had an alpha male in it. They had a bit of a Ryan Ponder in it. Um, what was he called? Hangman. And he was just, I thought, I, I didn't think they made actors like that anymore that could just chew uh, a toothpick and smile in that fucking way that makes you think, ah, maybe you should just have a certain level of privilege. You seem to believe that you should have it. Um, and me and my missus, it's certain boxes that it ticked in terms of hitting, uh, I hate this phrase, but hitting all the feels, as the kids say, um, that it did it so well that me and my missus were variously bursting into tears in Cineworld. And uh, we were, we, it was quite obvious at times, like, I mean, the, the, my missus, the shoulders were going at one point. That, I mean, that, when, when the shoulders are going, they were heaving. There was a lot of stuff in there about male friendship, even now as I'm talking about it. Uh, I mean, as you well know, Goose's son is in it, and he's called Rooster. I thought that was, I mean, of the one thing that was a bit odd about the film, Rooster. Like, if your old man was Goose and he died, you call yourself Rooster. I mean, it's, uh, it's a bit of an omen. But, um, but yeah, we, then we were sitting in Pizza Express afterwards and, uh, you know, the missus was still a bit emotional. I was like, babe, it kind of, we could just about get away with it in the cinema, but now uh, it does look like I've brought you to a Pizza Express to end our marriage. <laughs> Either that or you're just really unhappy with your Polo de Astra. Um, and the fuck you, the fuck you is for, um, there's a clip for the US Navy, a sort of training thing. And and uh, look, I I... I take the piss out of some woke stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's not, I don't see it as a contractual obligation. Not every single thing from social justice progressive seems bizarre to me, but I really think it's important of calling out weird stuff when it happens. And there's a clip uh, that's been doing the rounds recently on social media, trying to explain to young Navy recruits how to say, uh, how, how to navigate the thorny area of, of pronouns. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to play a bit of the clip to you now. Hi, my name is Johnny, and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I am Kanchi, and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name, and it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm... Okay, shut the fuck up. Seriously, that was more than enough of that. Look, one of, one of the issues I have with this is you're probably listening to that, and, and you sort of forget... Who's the intended audience? So let's forget about the subject of what pronouns are for and whether there's an argument about deploying them. They're talking to adults, okay? You have to be over a certain age to join the US Navy. And they're talking to them like fucking primary school teachers at the carpet time. What, why is that? That when so many of these videos or a sort of liberal bloggers on TikTok and YouTube, when they start talking to the audience, they start... Hi, and the thing is, you've just got to use pronouns in the correct way. And I know the reason they're doing it is because they're trying to lay it down like it's so fucking obvious. You know, like when you're teaching kids 2 plus 2 equals 4. Hey, and why not say, my name's Jeff, I am he, him. I just say, and there's also a certain limit, right? There's a certain limit on traction for these ideas. This is where I think we had this kind of, over the last five years, we've had this march of woke or progressive ideas but eventually some of them just they come up against people going i'm just not doing that do you know what i mean they're just yeah i'm not gonna do that so when it comes to people signing off their emails he him or she they no she that she her i just think people go i'm not gonna do that you know like for someone like me if i was if i was working at a corporation 
And they said, oh, yeah, before you start your talk, could you just say, I'm Jeff Norcott, he, him. I go, look, I'm so obviously male that it's fucking ridiculous for me to, to state that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I mean, I say that. They probably go, okay, Jeff, um, you're 45 and um, your salary has had, it's quite high for your position. I go, okay, just, just, just show me where it was. That he, him. Yeah, I'll do it. No worries. Let's take a real deep dive on all the issues surrounding the big train strikes this week. Right, so I'm recording this uh, Wednesday at about three o'clock and I'm hoping to get it up by four o'clock. <laughs> that just sounds like a, a middle-aged man with uh, other issues. I'm, uh, it's three o'clock. I'm hoping to get it up by four o'clock. Just bear with me, all right? Just just turn the telly off. It's too noisy. Um, so we had these strikes which were scheduled. There was talks. I mean, they were announced a long time ago, these strikes, while talks were ongoing. So you get the sense straight out of the gate that the RMT are in, uh, are in the mood to play hardball here and then... They announced them and the talks were on. You never really got the sense that these strikes were, that any, there was going to be a, 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 some sort of compromise between them. The RMT asking for 7%, Network Rail offering 2%, rising to 3 with certain modernisations. And um, and the strikes happened. And, I, you know, they were they they were pretty brutal, man. Like, to, especially in London, where you also had the tube networks out. People were just, I mean, I was in London, people just had to fucking walk miles, you know? I mean, yeah, bless me, any trade unionist listening, but but it was odd. It was like there was some sort of exodus from the city. Um, and not luckily, it was quite a pleasant evening. It wasn't pissing down. I, I actually walked for all the way from Shepherd's Bush to Millbank. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, these strikes don't care who they hurt, right? But look, on a more serious note, there's, there's a couple of reasons why I understand that it is a fundamental principle that, that workforces can withdraw their labour, you know, to try and negotiate a better deal from themselves. But where some of this is hard to take is that this this was the first number summer for a few years that things could have been normal. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the peak of summer, people are going to festivals, sporting events, holidays, and, and lest we forget, GCSE is happening you know, jobs, new opportunities, people getting back out into the workforce. And and three days on alternate days, essentially taking out a whole week, you know, a whole week. And that is, that's the second issue for me in a way. The scale of it is so large. I mean, you have a day strike here and there, you know, two days, three on alternate days. Eight, I mean, that is, that is an attempt to take such a gouge out of the economy, um, it's a, it's an aggressive stance, right? Now, some people might say, well, well, because it's so aggressive, what they'd only do that if they'd been pushed to it. And I think that that is a mistake, perhaps, to view these two sides as one. Well, it's like people do with the EU. Instead of viewing it as the opposite player on a pitch, they view it as the referee. And I think that in this case, Network Rail slash the government are on one side and the RMT on the other. You know, And in, in their own various ways, neither of them are fully reliable narrators right uh, it's so hard isn't it it's one of these subjects where you see both sides you know there's there's lower there's lower passenger use you know a lot of people now even before this strike happened you'd have you'd have gone somewhere and uh, and just had your last train back cancelled and you go ah fuck uh well i guess we staying at a travel lodge tonight and that happens often enough and your missus they might start to think something's up do you know oh babe oh absolute nightmare uh, i'm away working away and uh Train's cat. I'm gonna have to stay in a hotel tonight, and she's like, "Oh, okay, okay." And you go, "Baby, look, you have to understand here that at my age, to use the um, 
the gag once deployed about cricket and Mike Gatting. The only thing that's going back to my hotel room after midnight is a cheese sandwich. Mick Lynch. Mick Lynch did a great job. So he's the head of the RMT and he was round about doing uh, all the media rounds. And uh, there's a lot of clips circulating on him. Just doing a, re- a really good job. I mean, he was sort of like an opener, wasn't he? Sort of like an opener, went out to face the new ball that morning. And uh, not only was he had a really solid def- def- uh, forward defensive, but he was playing shots. I mean, there was an interview with Kay Burley where it was very funny. She was trying to say, well, basically she was suggesting that there'd be intimidation on the picket lines, but she couldn't quite bring themselves to say that. So she was trying to throw it over to him. And he he, he saw where she was going and threw it back to her. She got a bit flustered. And, and then mentioned the minor strike. And there was one moment of beautiful, just natural comedy timing where he turns around to about eight fairly low-key people standing behind him in high-vis jackets and a couple of flags. He goes, does it look like the minor strike? And he, I mean, he is. And he also, he was on um, he was on GMB with Richard Maidley and Richard Maidley, well, Richard Maidley does seem to have a bit of an obsession with people being Marxists. And, and it's just the way that he phrases it. I think it's kind of... There's a way of teasing at what he was getting at, which is that, you know, how radical are your left-wing politics and to what degree can we as the public trust that you're negotiating in good faith only for your members and not and not trying to, you know, affect governance in this country, right? But the way that he says it is so partridge-esque. He's going, oh, there it is. You, you, you're a Marxist. You're a Marxist. And he sort of says it in that. He, the, the, he loads so much into the word Marxist that you can you can see what some of his, his fears are. You know, you've got proper red under the bed paranoia. Um, and, and therefore, Mick Lynch is just going out and swatting these people like flies. I mean, to the extent where I suddenly thought he's so good in, in kind of coming back at people in interviews. I thought he, he needs to go up against one of the other great interviewers of our age. Claude Littler from Apprentice. I want to see them both against each other. Frank Warren... If you're listening, make it happen. I'd do pay-per-view for that. I'd do 17 quid for pay-per-view just to see them two go head-to-head. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? When you look at like the really sort of successful union figures, they, they are a type, aren't they? I mean, the late Bob Crow was one. You know, Mick Lynch is another in a line of, of kind of raspy, sort of cockney-sounding blokes that look like they used to run with a firm. They all look like they used to... <laughs> do you know what I mean? They all look like they've got a few a few kind of banning orders in the 80s. Um, But yeah, there's a sort of a Cockney attack dog vibe. And at the moment, Mick Lynch's stock is very high. It's very high, you know, because the public, yeah, we're very easily swayed in Britain. It was like with Andy Burnham being King of the North. We love a a brief, seductive narrative. And and Mick Lynch's sass was was good to watch. And and also, I think it, it kind of called out some fairly crap journalism over the last few years, obviously with Notable. Uh, exceptions, you know, Ian Dale, friend of the show, if you're listening, uh, one of the notable exceptions. But but there has been a, a very poor standard of questioning sometimes, which is so obviously sensationalist. And and the politicians are a bit wary of, of, of snapping back. Lisa Nandy does it a bit. Dominic Raab does it a little bit. But Mick Lynch was just like, I'm not having it. Who are you? Shut up, liar. Fuck off, mug. He sounded like he was just walking around a pub calling out, Every single person in the boozer. I'm not. I'm not fucking having it. Well, that's not true. Yeah. Do you want to go outside? And um, I just wonder how long it'll last. That's my question. Is uh, is at the moment? It's a little bit of content, isn't it? 
Mick Lynch is just just epic, iconic. It's all those things. But after all of this week, I think everybody in one way or another will have a little story of, you know, whether your teenager got stuck at a festival and you had to go and pick them up. Do you know what I mean? Whether your partner couldn't get home from somewhere. Once we start seeing the economic effects or hearing the singular stories of people that couldn't get to medical appointments. Yeah, I do, I do think the British public is like with Ukraine, isn't it? At first, we're like, fucking yeah, anything for Ukraine. You know, anything, send them money, send them anything they need, and then inflation pinches. And we're like, eh, let's just have a little think here. Um, and you can already see that in the polls. And, and I, th- I think eventually uh, the public's overwhelming support for this will balance out. But, you know, there were already polls which suggested the, the British public are in several different positions. And everyone, this is what I hate about social media. Everyone was sharing the one poll that supported exactly what the fuck they said. And the truth is, the picture's mixed. Most people and, of course, the Tories, you know, the Tories are being blamed um obviously because it's, it's unclear isn't it it's network well but then the toys are quite clearly behind uh supporting certainly the the uh the modernizations i mean wh- one thing i would say about the modernizations is like they as some all right ticket offices shutting maybe not now maybe there are still quite a lot of people that want to go there but they don't they don't sell i mean do you, do you see many people do you ever see a queue at a ticket office anymore apart from on saturday mornings when you get amateur travelers going in i mean they just <laughs> You don't want anyone to lose their jobs, but but what is what is a, an acceptable volume of use? Like how how low how sort of small can the demand be for something before you before you have another look at it? I mean, I was on a train the other day, and um, there's loads of young people on the train, and the ticket officer come around. Not one single one of those kids had a physical ticket. Do you know what I mean? They're all getting out of their fucking smartphones. Old Granddad Jeff sitting in the back like Abraham Simpson, like pulling out a fucking Werther's original packet, you know, of old guy stuff while all the kids are living in the future. So I don't think maybe ticket offices shut now. That certainly seems a premature thing to do, but but it's something that will have to be looked at, right, in the medium future uh, at the very least. But the thing is, right, whether you agree or disagree with the Tories, they're able to take a clear position, okay? And their position is that they are against people striking and that they are pro-modernisation. Labour, on the other hand, or Keir Starmer particularly doesn't have a position. His argument has been that he wishes the strikes weren't happening. I mean, what what is that? Okay, Skip, so sorry, Keir. You Do you think it's okay for them to be striking? I just wish that these strikes weren't happening. You're okay, you're wishing... Okay, mate, I'm not fucking... You didn't rub a genie here. Look, what about an actual plan? Look, which is regrettable. Right, just stop fucking... We're not that stupid and you're not that smart, mate. Tell us... What you think, I just think it is, I just wish these strikes weren't happening. I just wish, it's the kind of guy like, imagine that if like, uh, you know what I mean? You're leaving your missus for another woman. I just wish that she wasn't better looking than you. I just, it's so regrettable that she is an absolute rock solid nine and you're a six. Um, (laughs) And I think that quite clearly the Labour Parliamentary Party are in a very different position to uh to Kia, right? It's quite obvious they they're all fairly pro strike. And and what he's done is he's taken these lines and said none of the front bench can get on the picket line. Some of them broke that rule and, and that's presented him with a problem. But I think I think there's a real problem with this guy in terms of honesty. And I know that obviously people go, but, 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 what about Boris? And this is the problem when you criticize Starmer. The fact that Boris is a dickhead and a liar and that the Tories have been through uh, you know, a <laughs> fairly a fairly bad sort of nine to 12 months means that well, somehow that you, you shouldn't ever throw the spotlight back on Labour. But he's trying to present an image of the Labour Party 
in the unions, the activists, the membership base. I just think that's not accurate. I just I think it's dishonest. I don't think it's true. I think that a lot of people are very pro this strike, just within his party, and that's before you even get to the activists and the memberships and the unions. What would Labour do? This is the problem. Is It kind of reminds people of the problem, and, and I don't go with the male who've been going with some headlines saying Labour isn't working and trying to pin this all on them. It's not that. But you do just stop and think, well, what would Labour do if they were in power? It's going to be very difficult for them. You know, when they're, you know, a party that are backed by various unions, supposed to be pro-union, and then this would be happening. So what? They're going to... They're going to be able to come out and say, yes, <laughs> I just wish that these, uh, I just wish it was different, don't you? That, that would be what Keir Starmer would be saying. <laughs> hey, anybody, imagine there's no heaven. Keir, give us a fucking answer, mate. But going back to, you know, trains themselves, some of you are thinking, is it Jeff, really? Has this really ended up with yet another attack on Keir Starmer? Yeah, yeah, it has. Keir, Prime Minister. Look, uh, I mean, the guy's delusional. The guy is delusional. I, I'm going back on Keir Starmer. Fuck it. I watched PMQs again earlier. Stop. If any people in the Labour Party, right, and I've got no reason to give you tips, but I just like good politics, get the geezer to stop reading off his fucking notes. I've said it again and again. Prime Minister's questions is supposed to be a test of your mettle. Everyone knows it doesn't really change anything. It's not where decisions are made. But we get a sense of what you act like under pressure. And this guy is trying to do scripted ad-libs. There was one point today where he kind of pointed, pointed his finger on one joke. And I could, you could almost see the parenthesis saying, point finger now, point finger now. And he just, just, just get off the script, Keir. Just, just level with us. Just be fucking honest or let someone else have a go. But anyway, going back to uh, the trains, going back to the trains, it's a delicate time for trains. You know, we've had a long period where we haven't used them or we haven't been able to use them. People working from home more. Uh, a lot of people, even before these strikes, would have had uh, situations where trains were cancelled late at night and stuff. And you're just, just losing trust, right? So the, the capacity for the unions to negotiate when we're still, we're still just coming out of the back end of a, uh, of a pandemic are a bit different, aren't they? If you say well, passengers' numbers are now uh, down at the moment, you'd say, well, they're still recovering. But then if people get more used to not using trains and, and working from home more, you go, well, passenger numbers, you know, it's a year, two years down the line, and they're still 30% below where they were. The argument for sort of pay rises and keeping staff numbers the same gets gets weaker. At the moment, the union's very much on the front foot. Mick Lynch is delivering some epic sass but they also um, have a balancing act that they need to strike too. And look, and if you think that my, my, my stance here has been a bit anti-union, uh, I am going to the cricket tomorrow on Thursday. I did have a first-class train booked using a voucher, and that's been fucking cancelled. So thank you very much, Mick Lynch. I'm feeling the old Mick Lynch. Okay, we're just going to say hello to a few more patrons here. Thank you for everybody joining up over the last week. It's been fantastic to see you know, so many people joining the Patreon community. The Patreon community, guys, you just need to understand. I'm just going to do that now. Every time I, I go explain something, I'm going to explain it like that weird primary school voice they use when uh, when they're explaining pronouns. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to do that about my name. You know, when I meet someone, I go, hi, I'm Jeff Norcott. And my name is Jeff Norcott. And you could say Jeffrey most people don't. They just call me Jeff. Jeff Norcott, Mr. Norcott. It's all okay. The main thing is to be inclusive. Fuck off. Um, John Foreman. John Foreman, a new patron. John Foreman. Uh, he's a union man, isn't he? John Foreman. 
he'll be the he'll be the guy Mick Lynch's second in command. Mick Lynch, you know, like in uh, the thick of it when Malcolm Tucker's got that uh, Scottish geezer who's just as aggressive as him. They go, Mick Lynch is off today, and all the journalists go, thank fuck for that. And they go, who's John Foreman? I'll tell you something. I was on the lines in Wapping. I was on the lines in the fucking miners' strike. I was there when we ran Germany all over Euro. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. Um, Peter Humphrey. Peter Humphrey, that is, I mean, that's just a straight-up teacher name, isn't it? I mean, you just got a teacher called Mr. Humphrey. You know, he teaches uh, CDT. Whatever the fuck it's called this week. I mean, Jesus Christ. We talk about people identifying as other things and changing words. There's so many subjects in school that are like that. You go back one year. Is it RE? No, it's RS. No, but what's it called now? Uh, it's called Global Religious Understanding. Uh, GRU. That just sounds like a union as well. I'm thinking about the unions at the moment. So, but then you find out Mr. Humphrey, his name is Peter. And it just it ruins the mystique. Of, you can never fully respect the man again. Peter. Uh, Alastair McKenzie. You just sound like a fucking guitarist. For <laughs> Kasabian, Alastair McKenzie, you know. I bet he'd be one of those guys that they, when they do interviews, they'd always refer to him as, yeah, and then Kenzie was there. And he'd go, Ken, he'd go yeah, Kenzie, he sounds like a real rocker. You never hear the geezer speak. And then you find out his name's Alastair. And he actually realise he's really middle class. Oh, Alastair McKenzie. Yeah, he just sounds like a fucking laird. Uh, and Cole Quinn. Cole Quinn, you just sound like a, you just sound like a rapper. Don't know, Cole Quinn. He's the kind of rapper that all the middle class people would like, wouldn't he? Have you heard the uh, new Cole Quinn album? It's really amazing. He actually calls out Boris. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the Patreon community. Um, just a reminder, I am at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. At the Edinburgh Fringe. How long do they get to call it the Fringe? It's fucking massive. Has, has, anything, has anything ever got so big and still been allowed to be called the Fringe Festival? I mean, it's literally it's the biggest festival in the world. It's the biggest arts festival in the world. Uh, but I will be at the Edinburgh Fringe the 12th to the 28th of August. And I'll say this. Don't come up because I'm there. Obviously, no one's going to go to that trouble for me. But use me as a bit, being there as a reason to come up. Because despite all the wankiness and despite the fucking barefoot poetry. I mean, I say late drinking. God knows with Nicola these days what fucking late drinking's going to mean. You know, all, all in beddy bye-byes by, by midnight at the very latest, won't it? Do you know what I mean? You'll have to... You know, <laughs> You'll have to sort of take... There'll be a new app from NHS Scotland where you have to photograph yourself getting tucked in by your mum. Um, so I will be up there doing my tour show. Uh, up, up, Upscaled, upskilled, revamped. There's going to be some new jokes in it. So if you're at the Edinburgh Fringe, I'll hopefully see you there. Just going to do a quick subject here. It's going to be a shorter podcast this week. Uh, Joe Lysett, fantastic comedian, good bloke. Uh, there was a story this week... That her, one of the jokes in his show, which he hasn't actually revealed what the joke was, uh, but it was reported to the police and there was a short investigation. He was eventually cleared. And uh, it's been a big story in the police because obviously there's a lot of, you know, focus on what comedians can and can't say. And it got a lot of traction. The first thing I, sh- I should say is Joe Lysett, funny man, very nice man, also a master of PR and pranks. I mean, he's Britain's Andy Kaufman. So I have to ask myself, did this really happen or is this a genius tour plug? I don't know, but maybe that's the beauty of Joe Lysett, you know. Although I would say this, I'm not sure you can pretend to have been investigated by the police. I think there might be comebacks on that. But let's take him at face value, right? And I know that this sort of stuff happens. People do get reported for very stupid things, poems, you know what I mean? It's happened. People have been prosecuted for poems, online jokes, literally happened. Um, why, why do they give these things their time? That's what I want to know. You know, someone reports a joke saying it's offensive or hateful. 
why they're so happy to do it. Because it, what it generates about the police is the idea that they're, they're more than happy to do the easy stuff, aren't they? You, you've got a burglary. Here's your crime number. Uh, okay, crime number. Yeah, that's good for the insurance. Can, can anybody come around and just, I don't know, dust fingerprints? Uh, we don't really do that anymore, sir. Here's your, here's your crime number. Um, yeah, well, I actually got CCTV my, that I've got. I've got a you know, clear, clear face of, here's your crime number. I know him. I know the guy. I know where he lives. Are you going to go around his house? What, and give him the crime number to give to you? Oh, fuck off. Like, it's just, there seems to be no appetite. No appetite for doing the hard police work. And I know there'll be loads of coppers listening to this. And when I say no, of course I'm generalising. There'll be a lot of you that are chomping at the bit to get stuck in, eh? The old Gene Hunt style coppers that watch Life on Mars and going, those were the days. But, <laughs> but you know, if it's, but they, they, I guess it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to investigate online crime, things people have said. You can just do that. It's like everything at the moment. The police are no different from anybody else. I just want to do it on my phone or on my laptop. I just want to do it. Can I do it from home? Can I can I can I police this protest from home? Um, but you know, if it's a, it, it, they don't want to, they don't want to get out and do burglaries or violent crimes. But but yeah, fucking someone someone's offended. They're sliding off. They're sliding across the bonnet like it's a fucking Sweeney, aren't they? <laughs> or chips. Uh, any old ever old references, Jeff? I don't know who the cop duos are now. Cagney and Lacey, Dempsey and Makepeace. We don't really have duos like we used to, all right? It's all got a bit fucking serious, isn't it? Ever since the wire. But I just, it just made me think, right, that, that it comes from a culture of people getting in other people's business. Stay out of people's business. Where possible should be a sort of mantra you live your life back by. Um, I, and the, maybe the reason I'm so angry about this is I had a recent experience um, where I was told off as a 45-year-old man for doing something that really... I can't explain it. Now I'm making it sound like I am a dodgy fucker. But I was told off uh, um, for... Uh, I'm being annoying now. I, can't, I genuinely can't say because I don't want to make uh, an issue of it. And now... But I, I react... I hadn't done anything wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. This has gone horribly wrong. This is what happens now. If someone accuses you of doing something wrong when you only had good intentions, the rage that you feel for, for it being even suggested that, that you were... That you were acting with bad intent... It makes it moves you to rage very quickly, doesn't it? And you end up looking like exactly the kind of guy that should be fucking investigated. Um, but look, I just think we need to get back to a bit of mind your own fucking business, business, right? Mind your own business. If you're thinking about, are you thinking about minding someone else's bit? Mind your own, mind your own business. Because you get this at work, you'll have this at work, right? Where people can make complaints about other people and email in if you've had a ridiculous complaint made about you. Uh, or if you want, if or if you want to be really honest, if you're the, the complainer, what most people think UK at gmail.com. And I'd love these busybodies to admit to themselves why they do it. Do you know what I mean? Someone makes just a, a silly joke in the office, didn't mean anything by it, but they report them. They escalate it to HR. You know, and the reason is they're normally those quiet little fuckers, aren't you? That you just think they just think oh, they seem quite nice. They keep themselves to themselves, but actually, you realise that they hate with their hearts, but they haven't got the balls to confront anybody in real life, so they just sit there keeping a little a little ledger, don't they? A little diary of effrontery. And then they'll just, they'll escalate it and exercise their power. That's right, yeah, yeah, that's right. I did go to HR, Jeff. I did go to HR when you, when you made that joke about mother-in-laws, even though you made it ironically. I've got a mother-in-law. I didn't think you'd be making it. I just think, just admit to yourself with these little pricks. Why do you do it? It's not because you're offended. It's not because you actually think anybody did anything wrong. You just want to assert yourself in the world. You want to be heard. You want to experience a little bit of power. 
okay? And this is me clearly self-therapizing for what happened to me. Well, you know, you know what? I am a good person, okay? Uh, I, this, I've literally made it sound like I've been hanging around a fucking playground on my own. I'm going to stop talking now. Okay, just a couple of letters to close the show. This is, uh, this is a letter from Graham who says, I've been with my missus six years. I like the personal problems. Can we, can we get back to doing those? People have stopped emailing me the personal problems. Uh, what most people think, uk at gmail.com. Uh, I've been with my missus six years, and into the bargain, I have a wonderful stepson called Callum. He's bulked out a bit recently as he's become 13. How do you assert, how do you assert yourself physically and navigate the tricky business of being a stepdad? Okay, so in a blokey way, you've left out a lot of detail here. So basically... Um, so you've been with Mrs. Six years. He's thirteen. You arrived on the scene when he was seven, and he's gone through puberty. It seems, and he's he's become a big lad, right? So you're threatened by the fact. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a fairly natural thing. You're threatened by the fact he's a bit bigger these days, you know. And there is that thing we we have to be honest in the household. One of the benefits of having a bloke around the house is he's a bit bigger. He's a bit bigger. So when the teenage boy starts kicking off, there's someone bigger than him, and and he is now. Bigger than you. I mean, you're talking to someone, Graham, who's five foot eight. So that point could be coming for me in the not too distant future. And navigate the tricky business of being a stepdad. I guess by that you mean, will he take it off you if you if you if you slap him down a bit? I don't mean physically slap him down, but you know, it's that tricky balance, isn't it, of sort of standing up, puffing your chest out, squaring up. That's an awful thing, isn't it? Fathers and sons square, <laughs> square up. There's always a woman screaming at that point. No, no. It's their worst nightmare, but you know, sometimes you have to you have to remind people who's who. You know, you've always got the mortgage. Please tell me you're paying the mortgage, Graham. It's the main reason the men pay the mortgage. It's not because we want to take care of our responsibilities. It's that if we run out of anything else, we can just remind people that we pay the mortgage. And um, I would say that if you came into his life and he was seven, to him you pretty much are dad. So I wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it must be fucking annoying as well. Do you know what I mean? You're at that time in life, I guess, where your body is uh, is sagging. You know, those little tricks you did to lose weight aren't really working. Um, you know, every time you try and do weights, you pull a muscle and you're out of action for three weeks. <laughs> this prick is fucking regenerating like that metal Terminator in Terminator Two. Um, so I think you just, um, I just think that you just barge into him. <laughs> Just become like the worst prick in his class. Just barge into him. Just cuss his mum. That, I mean... <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I'd say the advice is he's probably still a good lad. Yeah, if he's got a bit hench now, as a lot of lads are working out more, just remind him that real strength comes from within. Just say something weird like that. Or just get like... Um, or just get some fake glass and smash it in front of him, like one of those shit... You know, those kind of kung fu tricks I used to do in the 80s. Or, or just get like a, a hollowed out phone book and rip it in front of him. Just do all sorts of weird strongman shit. I mean, it won't prove a point to him, but it would make a funny sitcom. Next letter we got here is from Anonymous. Oh, it'll make sense once I explain it. Uh, Hi, Jeff. I have similar politics to you. Not the world's greatest liberal, but equally, I don't get upset about stuff too often. Uh, it's nice and vague. Oh, this is from a lady. It's from a lady. Recently, a colleague was off her was off work for a long time. When he came back, he was a she. First, I thought her name was too young. Colleen is too old for someone in their mid fifties. I mean, this is an issue, isn't it? When you transition to that age appropriate names, I guess because you've missed out on on a part of 
being a woman, you kind of want to dial the clock back. But 55-year-old woman called Colleen. Yeah, that's, that's a bit young. Secondly, she has awful dress sense. Um, okay, that would make sense. It's, it's something women learn how to style themselves. Can I stage an intervention or would that be toxic femininity? So you want to you wanna basically, in a sisterly way, I, think, I don't think this is a bad thing. Like, maybe she's not getting good advice. Oh, Colleen. Yeah, I don't think this is the worst thing in the world, but it's in the, again, these people that escalate complaints, right? This is how this could play out, Anonymous, is that you, you know, in your staff breakout area or whatever, you go, hey, Colleen, can I call you Cole? Oh, that's a bit dodgy. Colleen, I just, I just, I, I know what you've been through and stuff, and I just, I just, maybe you need a friend to help you navigate your way through what, I love the fact you're so, I, I just sense that more than anything, you're just annoyed about her, her style. Um, and so I think maybe maybe they lack a bit of um a bit of that in their life. But this would be what would happen. I think old Colleen probably be fucking bang up for that. But then what would happen? There'd be it would be the little person, wouldn't it? Sitting behind sitting behind silently, just listening, taking it all in, writing it down in their little day book of offence. And uh, so what would happen is they'd then escalate it to HR. You'd presume that Colleen threw you under a bus and you go, you know what, Colleen? with your shit fucking blouses. I was just trying to be a friend, okay? And yeah, Colleen is too fucking young a name for you. And she's like, it wasn't me. And then you look around, wouldn't it? And it'd be old fucking Heather. It'd be <laughs> Heather from finance, just looking at her beady little eyes. Okay, that is pretty much it this week, but we've got a few new patrons to shout out just before we go. David Frankland. It'd be Franklin, wouldn't it? Frank Frankland. It'd be so the world's shittest theme park. Welcome to Frankland. All the famous Franks, like Frank Sinatra and Frank Sinatra. Uh, Stuart Hanscom. Stuart Hanscom. Hanscom, for some reason, just sounds like the name of a county cricket opener. Stuart Hanscom made 36 today off 148 balls and was eventually given out for being boring as fuck. Uh, Benjamin Bloomfield. I don't know why every time I see a guy. With a name like Bloomfield, I'm always thinking that maybe he's from South Africa. You're allowed to mock that accent, aren't you? For a lot of reasons. Benjamin Bloomfield, at your service, sir. I am one of the violent guys in an action film. Um, <laughs> Benjamin Bloomfield. That'd be the irony, wouldn't it? You got a nice sunny name. Sound like sound like running through a field of flowers. I'll snap your fucking neck, sir. Always calls people sir just after he's killed them. I'm sorry, you're dead, sir. Uh, and then Stephen Murphy, Stephen Murphy, Stephen Murphy, Stephen Murphy would be the actor that would play the parts of the characters in Brian McQuinlan. Brian McQuinlan, his novel about a chair, voiced by Stephen Murphy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, th- ladies and gentlemen, what a weird fucking voice I went into then. Uh, thank you very much for listening to uh, this solo episode. As ever, uh, do recommend the podcast. I love doing it. Uh, thank you again to the Patreon community, and uh, you know for the rest of this week. Oh, we got we got the by elections coming up, so who knows next week's election? At the moment, everyone's saying, "What's the fucking point of Keir Starmer?" Next week, we could have another confidence vote for the Tories. Yeah, you know, and look, it's all good content. Oh.